1: This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent
0: Herbicide. 620 CKRM is proud to be your voice for everything ag. Welcome to Sask ag Today with your host, Ryan Young.
1: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Sask Ag Today. It's brought to you by Milligan Bio, the leading buyer of heated and damaged canola in Saskatchewan, wants to buy your seed. Visit milliganbio.com and brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. On today's show, tensions are up again at Viterra, as the union representing some of its workers accused the company of not honouring part of a recently ratified agreement. Elsewhere, a federal bill that would ensure the interoperability of farm equipment is nearing the finish line. And an instructor with the University of Saskatchewan will be speaking at an upcoming ag event in Lloydminster. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. You're listening to Sask Ag Today on 620 CKRM. Up first is the ongoing issue now between Viterra and the Grain Services Union over a uh, part of a recently ratified agreement, allegedly not being honored.
0: This is Sask Ag Today with 620 CKRM Ag News Director, Ryan
1: Young. Sask Ag today is brought to you by Johnston's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection, and Farm Fresh Water. Fix your water problems. Visit farmfreshwater.ca. The Grain Services Union and 436 members of Locals 1 and 2 have another bone to pick with Viterra. The union claims Viterra did not pay the full 4.5% wage increase to employees retroactive to January 1, 2023, as per the agreement workers just ratified last month. On its website, the GSU confirmed the company would make the payments on January thirty first. General Secretary Steve Torgerson says they told members to double-check the math once they received their paychecks that day. Some came back saying it didn't add up.
2: Some got nothing and some only got four and a half percent, but only for a portion of the year. So if they were, uh, some individuals were received a promotion in the year, they bid on another job and, and were promoted within the bargaining unit. They only got the four and a half percent increase on the first part, on the part before the promotion, the, the portion of the time last year that they uh, were in this higher position the company did not provide the four and a half percent wage increase on that part of the year so it wasn't consistently applied for everyone last year in effect
1: for last year he says it's disappointing viterra did not honor their end of the agreement the members you know when they vote on that they took that to heart and
2: and, uh, expected that. And now uh, the company has processed these retro payments and the uh, increases to the uh, employees wages effective January 31st. And a a large number of our members are are realizing now that they will not be receiving uh, this 4.5% increase that they feel they were promised. Uh, They voted on this final offer with that language saying that this will be paid to all employees and the rates of pay. Um, and it was not uh, to pretty close to our best guess right now, between 20 and 25 percent of the
1: members. Torgerson says they're looking at all available options to enforce this part of the deal.
2: This is something that's quite new that that I that I've never experienced. So we we are uh, we've sort of we're looking and getting some legal advice on this process because the final agreement hasn't been signed, um, and we all know that. We can sort of come to an agreement on a lot of things, but until the final legal document signed, it may, you know, it may not be sort of fully binding. So and I'm not saying that's the, the path we're going to take, but I think we have to look at all options uh, up and into including sort of uh, unfair labor practices, filing grievances and and uh, and having members sort of express their their discontent and frustration with their employer.
1: The deal members ratified on January 19th was a four year deal with, among other things. An overall salary increase of 13.25 percent, spread out over the lifespan of the deal, Saskag today is awaiting vi, awaiting a response from Viterra regarding the claims. You're listening to Saskag Today on 620 CKRM. We'll take a quick break here, but coming up next, we'll have a feature from Kevin Hirsch with SaskagToday.com as he spoke as he talked about uh, the interoperability federal legislation that is nearing the finish
0: line. We're back with Saskag today with Ryan Young on 620 CKRM.
1: Welcome back to the program. Federal legislation ensuring the interoperability of farm equipment is close to becoming law. Currently, shortline farm equipment manufacturers such as MacDon in Winnipeg and Honeybee Manufacturing at Frontier Saskatchewan make headers for swathers and combines. However, mainline equipment manufacturers haven't been obliged to make the necessary digital information available so that those headers would function on their machines. This should soon change. Carlo Dade of the Canada West Foundation has helped in the process to get interoperability legislation passed. SaskAgToday.com's Kevin Hirsch talked with Carlo Dade.
3: This issue really came to a fore with the X9 uh, from Deer. They were using digital locks, what are called uh, technological protection measures, TPMs, uh, to prevent the MacDons, Honeybees, the others, from being able to access the software. And anyone listening knows that if the header can't talk to the main platform, well, then it's going to be useless. Maybe in the old days, you could just turn a wrench but you know those that was our great-grandfather's time not today the machinery has to be able to talk to each other and if that was prevented then you would be locked into choices dictated by Deere case or Holland as to what equipment you could use if that was the case the manufacturers of the equipment the shortline folks would go out of business and you'd lose thousands of jobs good well-paid middle-class jobs manufacturing jobs in small communities and Winnipeg too so it was a critical issue luckily uh, the private members bill by MP uh, Jeremy uh, Patzer in Cypress Hills made it through Parliament and not only did it make it through it was delayed coming out because the NDP wanted to speak in favor. It was delayed because the Bloc Quebecois wanted to speak in favor. So not only do we have liberals and conservatives, we had every party lined up in support uh, of this measure. So it's now in the Senate. Um, it's heading to a second reading. And uh, it would be good if the ag community asked a bit more questions about this, put some pressure on the Senate. Look, the Senate's got to deal with China. They've got to deal with the Supply Management Trade Bill. There are a number of things that are all very important for the Senate. So I think folks out in the ag community, just where is it? when can we expect it how's it coming i think that would really uh help but i would expect it maybe to be out uh summer fall next year but more pressure will certainly help to make sure it doesn't somehow fall off the order paper and we're having this conversation again next year
4: so in general terms it just changes copyright law a little bit to allow interoperability of of
3: of equipment it mandates interoperability so what deer did with the x9 is no longer are allowed Um, it also grants protection to the equipment manufacturers that they can disable the temporary protection measures but only only for the purpose of innovation and for making machines interoperable so it's not a license to break software willy-nilly or to modify it to do dangerous things it's a very specific definition that is targeted to meet in National obligations, treaty obligations, and also to allow um, to, to allow this Canadian industry to survive. And again, the Americans do it already, uh, so we're just catching up with uh, we're catching up with some others.
4: What's happening with rate to repair legislation?
3: So there are several measures out, uh, also a private member's bill from a central Canadian MP. Those don't appear to be going anyplace. Uh, there's wider opposition to those broader measures. Uh, So I'm not hopeful that any of those are going to make it out. And that makes the win on interoperability all the more stunning.
1: That's Carlo Dade of the Canada West Foundation. Coming up next on Sask Ag Today is today's Ag Review with Doug Falconer. as he'll give us the latest ag headlines. Keep it tuned here. We'll be back right after this.
0: You're tuned in to Saskag today on your voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM.
1: Today's Ag Review with Doug Falconer of GX94 is brought to you by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell, your locally owned Integra Tire dealers. And My Grain Exchange. ready to market your 2023 crop? Head over to MyGrainExchange.com and try their low-risk grain auctions.
4: Federal Agriculture Minister Lawrence McCauley has announced an investment of up to $89 million for 49 projects across Canada under the Supply Management Processing Investment Fund. Through this funding, dairy, poultry and egg processors are able to purchase and install new automated equipment and technology, allowing them to boost their production capacity and productivity while also helping them respond to environmental challenges and labour shortages. Project examples include milk pasteurizers, ultra-filtration systems, robotics for packaging systems, and new machines for grading, setting and breaking eggs. Today's announcement was made in Ingleside, Ontario at Lactalis Canada's cheese plant which is set to receive up to 3.3 million dollars for new automated cheese processing and packaging equipment. These upgrades will help modernize the production facility, reduce waste and improve productivity. A food retail expert says the Canadian government should provide more support to smaller domestic grocery chains to spark increased competition in the industry. The comments from an SKU food founder and former Loblaw executive come after Canada's industry minister said he's been reaching out to foreign grocery companies to draw them into the Canadian market. Francois Philippe Champagne hopes foreign grocers will come to Canada and help strengthen competition in the industry. A representative from the Canadian Federation of Independent Grocers says the code of conduct being developed could also help to level the playing field for small and medium-sized grocery companies. Ukrainian agrarian unions have asked the government to do everything possible to maintain free access to the European market for their food products. The European Commission last week said it would extend the suspension of import duties on Ukrainian exports, originally put in place to support the economy after Russia's invasion two years ago. For another year, to June 2025. However, it also proposed measures to limit agricultural imports from Ukraine and offer greater flexibility on rules for fallow land in a bid to quell protests by angry farmers in France and other EU members. The unions say exports of food products in 2023 totaled $21.9 billion and accounted for 61% of all exports from Ukraine. At the same time, the EU's share of total agricultural products from Ukraine in 2023 reached 56.6%, or $12.4 billion. Hundreds of angry farmers took to the streets in Bulgaria's capital, Sofia, today to complain of what they called the total failure of the government to meet the mounting challenges of the agricultural sector. They called on the agriculture minister to step down for not keeping his promises to ease the administrative burden on the farming sector, to seek state compensation for high costs and falling incomes. Like their colleagues elsewhere in Europe, Bulgarian farmers are frustrated with domineering European Union regulations. The hardship stemming from the surge in fertilizer and energy costs because of Russia's war in Ukraine the increasing imports of farm products that are flooding local markets and the undercutting of prices. Meanwhile, the Grain Producers Association announced that its members might join the protests tomorrow by blocking main roads with their farming vehicles. More ships carrying grain were diverted from the Suez Canal to routes around the Cape of Good Hope last week as attacks on shipping in the Red Sea continued. About 7 million metric tons per month of grain cargoes usually transit the Suez Canal into the red, but that has dropped significantly as Iran-backed Houthi militants have continued attacks on shipping despite U.S.-led airstrikes on Houthi positions in Yemen. Many bulk carriers are still transporting grain through the region, however. Commodity traders said it has become more difficult, but not impossible, to book ships for Red Sea sailings, one German shipping analyst said that some ship owners already operating in war-torn Ukraine are more willing to take the risk of traversing the Red Sea. And that's today's Ag Review. I'm Doug Falk.
0: It's your Saskag Today weather on your voice of Saskatchewan. 620 CKRM.
1: I'm here with Phil Spivak from Precision Weather, and Phil, it kind of looks like uh, the warm weather will continue,
5: as well as a chance for some spotty showers and some snow. Yeah, it looks like we'd head back into certainly not a normal pattern. We're still well above normal, and uh, looking ahead, I don't really see anything that's uh, cold, even cold to the point of normalcy, but we're back to at least... We're trending in the direction of normalcy. We're heading back down where temperatures will start to be below freezing. Still close to it right through Wednesday, and above it each day. But nighttime temperatures below. And by the end of the week, into the weekend, it's back to negative numbers for the afternoon as well. But for now, we're still mild enough that as some precipitation redevelops through the afternoon, very spotty, light rain showers are likely that will continue into the night. Precipitation overnight is a little more likely, and it could mix with some snow. Potential is there for a centimeter or so of accumulation. The problem is it's falling on wetness. It's falling on still pretty warm ground. A lot of it's going to melt rather than accumulate. So we'll say the potential for a centimeter, but most of us not seeing that, certainly not on the roads. Off-roads may see that centimeter or so, even a slushy centimeter and a half. Minus four the low tonight. We'll actually be declining slowly, so it's not uh, that we're that far below freezing until the later part of the night. Tomorrow, the flurries will end by morning, mostly cloudy through the day. The high near 1, maybe a flurry or two Tuesday night, minus 2, and one degree one more time Wednesday. The wind will pick up Wednesday, and that's going to signal a bit of a transition back to negative numbers on Thursday. As I mentioned, not a drastic change, just minus 1 with a couple of flurries on Thursday and a mostly cloudy sky Friday as well with a high near minus 3.
1: Thank you very much, Phil. The normal highs for this time of year minus nine. Normal lows minus twenty-one. Sun rose in Regina at eight twenty-eight this morning, and the sun will set at five fifty-eight late this afternoon. Around the province, in Saskatoon, minus four. Swift Current, minus three. Yorkton, Melville, and Mooseman are at plus one. Weyburn and Assiniboia at zero. And 3 degrees in Estevan. They're also the provincial warm spot. The cold spot is in Stony Rapids at minus 18.1. In Regina, it's a cloudy sky. South-southwest wind at 15 kilometers an hour. Humidity at 87%. Temperature at 0 or 32 Fahrenheit. Barometric pressure at 101.5 and falling. In Moose Jaw, it's also cloudy. West-southwest wind at 11 kilometers an hour. Temperature also at 0. Again, in Regina, cloudy, south-southwest wind at 15, and the temperature is at zero degrees. Coming up next on the show, it's been a little while since we profiled some of the 2024 class going into the Saskatchewan Agricultural Hall of Fame. Look at another member of that class right after this.
0: Catch up with all your egg news anytime at saskagtoday.com. Now, back to Saskag Today with Ryan Young on 620 CKRM.
1: This portion of Saskag Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers, where you're guaranteed the best buying and selling experience. McDougalauction.com and Pattison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems expect the best. A member of this year's class going into the Saskatchewan Agricultural Hall of Fame was a major contributor to the pulse crop industry. Grant Carlson was part of the formation of the Saskatchewan Pulse Crop Board in the early to mid-1980s, as well as part of the decision to introduce the Saskatchewan Pulse Crop Levy.
6: We had some people on that board with a, a really uh, long-term vision, and we decided as a group what we needed to to pull the industry ahead was more funds, and and uh, and the way to get those funds was a mandatory checkup on all pulse crops grown in Saskatchewan. And there was an ability to do that through some legislation that the Saskatchewan government uh, had in place. And it was it was a lengthy procedure, and uh, of course we initially had to have a vote at, on at, at the association level to go ahead with this I think it was it was unanimous to go ahead and we went through the lengthy procedure to to be approved to uh, to make this big step of a mandatory that was the key mandatory and uh, once we started receiving those funds we were able to uh, leverage those funds with funds available from governments and industry we put in a portion and and they would put in a portion and we were able to do some very very interesting uh, research and, and plots and develop new varieties. It was an exciting time in the pulse industry. During his
1: fifty years in agriculture, Carlson operated his family farm, K.E.G. Farm Limited, and a seed processing plant, K.E.G. Agro. His business shipped pulses to countries including Pakistan, Turkey, India and the US and Mexico and also acted as a local hub for other producers to access global markets rental equipment and agricultural inputs he was also involved in multiple research projects with the crop development center at the university of saskatchewan's college of agriculture carlson says it's surreal to think about how far the pulse industry has come from then to now
6: it literally was billions of dollars put put in the economy province-wide and uh, it all and most of the enterprises X started with uh, with uh, some farmer that had an idea that he could grow peas in Tisdale or chickpeas in Swift Current or lentils at Elrose or Rosetown or Outlook and and Fava Beans different places. It all started with that idea. A lot of them started at 10 acres and didn't have anywhere to sell it and, and it just went from 10 acres to quarter sections to sections to literally hundreds of thousands of acres right across the province, putting lots of people to work and billions of dollars into the Saskatchewan economy yearly.
1: Carlson and five others will be formally inducted into the Saskatchewan Agricultural Hall of Fame in Saskatoon on Saturday, April 13th. We're going to take another break here. Sask Ag Today will be back right after these messages.
0: You're tuned in to SaskAg today on your voice of Saskatchewan. 620 CKRM. This
1: segment of SaskAg today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies. Small town lumber yard, big on service. com. This year's edition of AgriVisions is just over a week away. It's happening on February 14th and 15th at Lloydminster Exhibition. It's going to feature a number of session speakers. One of those is Stuart Smythe, an instructor at the University of Saskatchewan. His topic is going to be sustainability advances in prairie agriculture.
7: Probably about three key things I really want to focus on is is explaining some of the details behind the sustainability changes. So, so demonstrating the significant reduction in summer fallow practices over the last thirty years. What does that mean then in terms of carbon sequestration, and then how has that changed for prairie or you know prairie agriculture? Then looking at at some of the inputs. So specifically looking at what's changed in terms of the amount of in crop herbicides that are applied. To, to control weeds and comparing then also the the impacts on the environment of the chemicals that are applied and then looking at changes in fertilizer use and, and what has happened um, between the early 90s and the, the say 2020 over that 30 year period, what what's changed in, in those three areas. Prior to the mid 90s, there, there weren't a lot of really good effective in crop herbicides and so when genetically modified crops were commercialized farmers gained an incredible tool to to control some of those really challenging weeds particularly you know the the thistles and those kinds of weeds so so it allowed it allowed farmers to continuously stay in zero or min till rotations uh, and, and have that ongoing effective weed control that that they had previously lacked so so now farmers are reporting that you know they've had fields that have been um, you know not had summer follow practiced on them for for over twenty years.
1: That's Stuart Smythe, one of the presenters at Egg Revisions in Lloydminster next week. Coming up next on Sask Ag today is the market update. Keep it tuned here. We'll be back right after these messages.
0: Here's the market update with Ryan Young on 620 CKRM.
1: Grain prices at Viterra were down in early trading today. Canola is down 70 cents at 553.82, and number one red spring wheat is down $2.16 at 316.85. The rest were unchanged. Durham, 434.01, feed barley, 230.08, chickpeas, 1168.44. Flax six hundred six zero four, lentils seven hundred fifty nine fifty, oats two hundred ninety thirty two, yellow peas four hundred nineteen sixty one, and feed wheat two hundred thirty eight forty six. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, hard red spring wheat for March is down eight and a half cents to six dollars ninety one and a quarter cents a bushel. Up next is the livestock report.
0: The Saskatchewan Today Livestock Reports, on your voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM.
1: The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn Livestock 842-4574. Now here are the latest quotes.
8: Heartland Livestock Market Report. It's Brett Jensen reporting from the Swift Current Yards last week with 2,000 head on offer. Here's how it went. The good cows they traded from 130 to 142 the medium type cows they were a dollar to a dollar thirty good bulls they were 140 to 157 rats and feeding cows are 160 to 215 with sales up to 235 in our feeder cattle from our pre-sort internet sale the steers at three weight steers were bringing 407 to 470 four weights they were bringing 403 to 435 the five weights were 375 to 427 six weight steers were bringing 312 to 378 the seven weight they were three oh five to three forty six seventy five. The eight weight steers were bringing three oh nine to three twelve and nine fifty six. They brought three oh six fifty into the heifer trade. There, the heifers were bringing three seventy two up to ringing the bell at four dollars a pound. Four weight heifers they were bringing three forty eight to three fifty two. The five weights were three thirty six to three eighty five. Six weight heifers were three eighteen to three thirty five with breeding quality heifers coming up to three sixty a pound the seven weight heifers 279 to 315 the rest of 828 at 280 upcoming sales this thursday february the 8th at one o'clock p.m we're going to have a bread cow and heifer sale with some dispersals on offer as well as some front end red bread heifers for further information give us a call 773-3174 canada's source for quality heartland livestock and swift current
1: the latest pork prices are at $181.55 per CKG. Coming up, the Resource Report.
0: It's the Saskag Today Resource Reports on 620 CKRM. Here's Ryan Young.
1: An Israeli food tech company says it now is the green light to sell its lab-grown milk protein to dairy manufacturers and food companies in Canada. Remilk says it received a letter of no objection from Health Canada regarding its version of the BLG protein, which can be used as a non-animal source ingredient in products that look and taste like traditional milk, cheese, yogurt and ice cream. The company says the protein is equivalent to its cow-derived counterpart, but no animals are involved in its creation through a process called precision fermentation. The company is also seeking a Canadian partner to help launch and distribute its product. On the markets, the TSX is down 168 points at 20,916. The Dow is down 257 points to 38,396 Oil is up 91 cents at $0.91 at $73.19 per barrel, and the Canadian dollar is at 73 90 cents 90 U.S. And that's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, you can tune in to the On Demand Sask Ag Today podcast, brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit gowancanada.com to learn more. And that's Sask Ag Today. I'm Ryan Young. Have a nice day.
0: This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicide.